We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you sports chat for everyone. You! That's our new tagline, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Libby. Hello, Georgie. I think feel like we're sort of pinging just exhausted <laughs> children have started going to school mm. the tennis is running until all hours of the morning and we're just excited to be here but also living off caffeine yes i totally agree i mean scheduling is going to be a chat about <laughs> yes for us for tennis mm-hmm. coming up and the fact that it starts a week our like the second week goes into our school in Queensland in Queensland in other states but we just got to think about each other (laughs) we just got to think about I'm sorry (laughs) everybody's gonna think about everyone a bit more Georgie (laughs) I'm pretty sure the southerners do not feel sorry for Queensland no they don't with their beaches and their sunshine and their holiday hot spots (laughs) it's cabana country up here it is cabana country yeah but I'm tired how how (laughs) are you it's like you forgot you're saying you're like Yes. I know words don't come easily (laughs) now, which is great on a podcast. Uh, Good, good. Lots of tennis. We're going to talk about that. Lots of interesting little sporting moments happened over the weekend. But one of the most exciting things that we need to talk about first. Yes, Libby. We have some very exciting news here at the Sports Social today. Yes, I am thrilled. If you haven't gotten the gist already, we are all about sports for everyone and making sport as accessible as possible. And we are really excited today to announce a competition to pay for sports registrations. Woohoo! You! I know I'm getting lots of emails about Sports Rego at the moment. We would like to fund one child or a couple of kids up to the value of $300 in a family to participate in sport at some point throughout the year. Whatever that is, whether it's, you know, Auskick or tennis or swimming or whatever it is. Netball. Netball. Soccer. Just any registration that you need to pay for a sport for your kids. We want to take care of that for you. So to enter, we would love you guys to go over to the Sports Social Podcast. Give us a follow on our Instagram page. Um, You'll see a pinned post at the top of our grid. Look at that. It'll give you all the T's and C's. Tag a couple of friends, two friends in the post, and then you will have entered our awesome competition. Yes. It's going to be running for two weeks. We'll announce the winner on the 7th of February and we cannot wait to help just a little bit in making sport more accessible for families. Hi, my name's Jane and I'm from Brisbane. I love sport because it gets me outside. I get to meet heaps and heaps of people and it's so much fun. And it's also really good for your mental health. That's the main reason I get out and run because it makes my brain feel good. Hey Lib, the swimming and nippers grapevine got talking. They were chatting. I love that. And we were connected to a fantastic inclusive nippers program that's been running on the Gold Coast called Albatross Nippers. It's part of the Nobby's Beach Surf Life Saving Club. And I wanted to talk to Nick Marshall about this program and how it got started and how it's going. Well, we've got him on the line. So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about Albatross Nippers? Yeah, look, I'd love to say it was this burning desire to be altruistic and, and important, but it was really that I, I've been a long-time surf coach just of our local club at Nobby's, um, and we had a couple of families that actually had a one child who was in the squad who was a superstar, and then the other child 
who was living with special needs. And I would always have their, their siblings stand beside me and I'd whisper things in their ears to yell at their brother or sister as they're running past. And it just kind of grew from there where I said, oh, no, you, you can do the run leg with them now or you can do the little swim leg or the wade. And I guess people just kept coming up to me saying, oh, is there an opportunity for them to join? And at the end of the season, a couple of these families said, well, look, we, we can't join back up because it's sort of dividing our family. We love the fact that you can have them at training and join in. But when we come down to the club at Nippers on a weekend, you know, we've got one family member or, you know, dad's down the other end of the beach with one family member and I'm here at Nippers with this mm. child. So it's kind of dividing our family and, you know, we just decided not to go and not to keep going. And as like I said, as, as I'd love to be able to say, oh, I had this you know, desire to fix everything, but it was kind of half self-motivated because as a coach, the two kids who were going to leave were superstars. So I'm like, oh, that's going to make me look bad. Mm. I've lost the two best kids in my squad. But also just the families were beautiful families and I, I really sort of felt for them. I, before I started any of this, I didn't really know anyone with a disability. I Certainly no one in my family. So I had no idea how hard it is and how how many things are just not accessible and, and I don't necessarily mean physically accessible just in you know in every sort of aspect of life so it kind of really sort of struck a chord with me and that kind of started or ignited something in me and um and then I just started asking heaps of questions and it didn't take as long everyone said oh, it'll never happen and this person won't want it and this person but everyone was just so positive about it it just it kind of created a bit of a movement where people were emailing me bylaws and emailing me ways to make it happen so if, if I get all the praise but there was a massive team effort of people that just wanted to come out of sort of nowhere people I'd never met and, and say this is how you do it I've heard that you're interested in doing it do it this way or this you know so yeah and that's kind of how it started it was really I guess just kind of like a community thing by default really your program currently has over a hundred families with um, additional needs children and young adults you've obviously have this all-inclusive program. What do you feel like is the biggest achievement that your club has done in the last eight or nine seasons? Yeah, look, I guess there's um, there's probably the, the on paper what the club looks like. You know, the club looks as a, you know, it's a shiny thing to advertise to other clubs. You know, we're a great inclusive family club. You know, we're, we're there for everyone. We've got people at the top end of the sports side of things and then we've got the guys at Key the Beach safe and we've got everybody in between. So that, that's that been a really good thing for the club that we look like that. But I guess some of the things, it's the, it's the add-ons to the surf club and I guess the community that's been the biggest thing for me is, is seeing kids that have gone through our NIPA program, like my own kids, who suddenly now understand more about difference and more about disability. I, I mean, I grew up, you know, at a Brisbane all-boys private school. And I remember it was groundbreaking when I was in year 12 that somebody who was profoundly deaf came to the school. That was like mm. the most disabled you could ever imagine. So, you know, having my kids, you know, in the surf club who can easily talk and engage with anyone uh, and they're not afraid to do it. They're not like probably me uh, or my parents uh, who are so worried about saying the wrong thing. They say nothing and then they look really like like they don't care but it's that it's that they don't you know they just don't want to seem to be doing the wrong thing so I've, i guess we've got this kind of community and surf club group of kids uh, who are so good at that now and and that's been the i guess the biggest achievement just as as a membership thing is that we really um i see stories and i hear of of nobby's kids or nobby's nippers that you know they might be going into physio or they might be going into 
even just be a part-time carer, but they've really kind of learned stuff in the program, which I don't know that they would have been exposed to otherwise. We're probably getting a little bit off track, but there was a story over at our first nippers the other weekend where a family, if I get emotional here, I, I, my apologies, the week before Christmas, we're at Pacific Fair, we're racing round, and this mother said, I was racing round with my child and her child's in the albatross group. And, uh, and she said, you know, everything's a rush. And she said, I've, I've come to expect it, that we're either a family that's invisible, that no one notices because of our child with a disability, or we're the family that everyone points at and stares at and looks at. So we're, we're sort of running around Pacific Fair and these two big kids come straight up to us. And she said, and instantly I thought, oh God, what's going on here? But the two boys instantly started talking to her son, asking him, you know, how he was going, what he was asking for for Christmas, was he excited about Santa uh, and that they would see him at Nippers in early January. And I, I, you know, the mum, she said, I don't know if it was because it was Christmas or because I was just emotional with all the other stuff, but she broke down and cried. She cried when she told me the story. And that, those two boys are, are the two footy boys that come down from the school to volunteer each of our albatross days. So she kind of, I guess, rammed home a thing that I, I again, not, not having had a disability or, or not having had a child, with one not realizing what it's like, you know, and, and mm. how no one comes up and talks to your child and no one includes them. And then having these two big, cool kids walking around Pacific Fair, you know, come up and talk to them and high five and find out what, how the holidays have been. It's something we, we would take for granted, you know, and all our kids would be the shops that would just be, you know, that'd be nothing. But for her, it was amazing. So that as a club is something that I think we probably don't celebrate, but it's something that I'm, you know, I think has been a real achievement for our sort of group. And, and I guess it's changed. It'd be interesting to know what other people thought of the attitudes towards some of our club members, but that's something that I've definitely seen. Uh, Like any sport, you can get really, really selfish and you have to be selfish to be successful. But I'm hoping that, you know, even the top kids in our, in our little group, have a better understanding, you know, I guess, of giving back and, and, um, and I guess of the community at large, yeah. It's magic. Oh, that was that, a long I mean, answer, wasn't it? But that's what sport's all about. I mean, that's Libby and I both had tears in our eyes mm. hearing that story because, you know, the fact that you've humanised these kids and they're, they're, they're so much part of the cohort, mm. just like any other kid, and it's not they're, they're engaging with their peers, that's beautiful. Yeah, everything we want sport yeah. to be. That story as well makes me feel emotional to kind of think, wow, maybe we're changing a generation. And I don't mean just me. I mean, you know, schools now are inclusive and other sports are inclusive, but maybe we're just making a better type of more empathetic, you know, young person who acknowledges that and and who's trying to make things better. So this is doing more than just getting sandy, I guess. Nick, is this a program that's being replicated anywhere else in Australia? Is this accessible for families in different states or is it just based in Nobbies at the moment? No, absolutely. So, look, we're, I think we're in 20 clubs now across the country and I keep saying to people, it doesn't have to be named Albatross. Like, it's not about you know, creating some kind of empire. It's more just here's all the tools that you need to run an inclusive program. And I know they've done two in New Zealand now which look they are calling albatross, but they certainly don't have to. And there's, there are ones in all, you know states all across the country. And, and my hope is that it just, it's almost like that transition phase that we're in where a couple of clubs have an inclusive program that I guess show the, the neighbouring clubs, you know, how easy or, you know, that, that can be done. And then everyone does it. And then, you know, in, a, in 10 years, we're not talking about the albatross nippers. We're not talking about inclusive nippers because 
Nippers is just inclusive at every single club in the way that it is at schools and stuff at the moment. So that's my goal. You know, if enough clubs can pick it up and they can certainly you know, they can easily contact me and find out what needs to be done. There are different kind of rules and stuff in place in different states, but the, the concept is exactly the same. And, it, it, you know, the more clubs that can be inclusive or, that you know, the better, really. Nick, a huge congratulations for for what is an amazing program for, for so many families who wouldn't have had access to something like Nippers. And, yeah, just congratulations and, and keep on creating and doing all of this this amazing work it's it, well as you said it's creating a, a beautiful more empathetic more inclusive world for our future generations oh i really appreciate that that's awesome thank you he was amazing that was amazing it just goes to show that you don't necessarily need specially designed separate programs mm. sometimes inclusion in the mainstream is all that's required yeah and it just, you know, it might be messy. It might be a little bit disorganised in some ways. Oh, whose life isn't? Well, whose life isn't? But, you know, that's part of the joy of sharing those moments with everyone. Yeah, and I love that it was born out of just, well, let's just give it a go. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yes. It's the best attitude. Love it. Well done, Nick. Um, AJ, 35, Gold Coast, and I like sport because I just like being out in the community and uh, getting fit and staying healthy. Georgie, is this the part where we're going to talk about all of the tennis? So much tennis, chat. Okay, what's been your favourite match so far? Everything. <laughs> Be more specific. Okay, can I tell you a little story? Y- yes. I'll, I'll lead off with Do my story. Do I have story. a choice? <laughs> no, and it becomes about me, so <laughs> strap in. <laughs> What a shock. <laughs> okay. So what night was it? The Tanasi, Kokonakis and Andy Murray. Was that Friday night? No. No, it was, it was Thursday it night. Was, it was no, because there was no weekend reprieve for anyone to catch up on any sleep. Yeah, no, it was Thursday night. The game bloody starts at 10 p.m., which was like 11 p.m. Melbourne time. Ridiculous. Too late. Scheduling's a mess. We need to talk about that. Anyway, so I got to... Watch the first set, Tanasi, winner. Amazing. Does this story get better? (laughs) (laughs) I'm recapping the five sets, Georgie. It's so long. (laughs) I got through most of the second set. Then I fell asleep. I was streaming it on my phone in bed. Okay, don't judge me. That's what I was doing. I fell asleep. Then I woke up at 3 a.m. Oh, God. <laughs> to watch the final half of the fifth set. I was like, what the hell happened in the last two sets? There was lots of forehands, backhands, few serves. Oh, my goodness. Fast forward, final set. Final set. Long story short, Andy Murray won. Spoiler. Spoiler alert, Andy won. Andy Murray won with a metal hip. He's 35 with a metal hip. I- People don't come back from hip surgery. No. Well, they, I don't know that they is it should. A replacement hip surgery. It's a new hip. There's great re- rehab that's gone on there for him yeah. to then be doing five setters. But I don't know on if the you regular. then. I don't. Did you see Andy Murray's next set after? So he's then first set in the next match. Yeah. Andy Murray looked like he couldn't walk anymore. Well, is it any wonder? <laughs> the, and he was amazing because he literally looked like he couldn't walk the entire match. But he kept playing for three sets. I was just in awe of the fact that he didn't retire. Like, because he clearly was in so much pain, but still, 
you know, went to a tie break in the second set, was still fighting it out in that third set. It was, yeah, remarkable. Anyway, back to me. Uh, <laughs> after the Tanasi and Andy Murray set, I was just, I was so sad for Tanasi because it was just crushing. Like he ser- was serving for the match in the third set and then all of a sudden. Did it get that close? He was on match point. Oh. Like match point and Andy Murray then went on to win three sets. Apparently Andy Murray is the king of comebacks. Like two sets down, if you're against Andy Murray, he will beat you. It was amazing. And anyway, the story is is that I, I cried. <laughs> At 4 a.m. <laughs> or was it 3 a.m.? No, no it was, one knows. It was the next day. It was the next day because I just I spent the rest of Friday contemplating what a brutal sport it is. And then by Friday night that became just sport is the best and I miss swimming so much. <laughs> I get the sense that you were just my eyes out. What a ridiculous human! But the tennis is amazing. I feel like you were like a three-year-old who hasn't had enough sleep in a day, and by Friday night you just had emotional overtired Um, tears. Maybe, but it became. I was very sad for Tanasi. I was so, I was so proud of him. He just he fought the whole way. It was amazing. But yeah, what? I mean, you tell me about your favorite player because you have a very firm opinion about who your favorite is my favorite player is Sebastian Corder yes who is Peter Corder's son now Peter Corder won an Australian Open in 1998 I didn't realize this but that that iconic uh footage of a dude doing cartwheels after he won is Peter Corder yes and when Sebastian Corder goes out onto court on Rod Laver he always taps his dad's panel that says he was the 1998 It's just the footage is so good. But this guy, he has an interesting game. He's not just standing on the baseline thumping forehands and backhands. He's Mm. coming like there's drop shots. He's coming into the net. But the other thing I love about him, he's not the highest seated person in that family. So his sisters are excellent golfers. In fact, one of his sister is number four in the, the women's PGA. Wow. Didn't she win the Australian Open? Possibly. Yeah. They're a very successful sporting family. Oh, it's called the LPGA. <coughs> Amazing. So he's, I think, ranked world number 28. Come on, Sebastian. At the dinner table. That really doesn't <laughs> cut it. Like, I mean, talk about what? an overachieving family. What a though. family. <laughs> like, come on. What did you do today? Oh, I got to the quarters uh, for. Cool. The, the... I won the Australian Open. Yeah. Souls. <laughs> No, he's he's amazing. I can't wait to keep watching him play. His side of the draw is an interesting one. I don't feel like it's – I think it's more wide open. Yes. There's a match coming. Oh, Demonor. Yeah, uh, Demonor. Demonor's playing Djokovic. Yeah. But what I love is that it's either going to be Djokovic for his, like, billionth Australian Open title or a random who's never won anything before. Tennis is all of a sudden interesting to us again. Yeah. After – not that it wasn't interesting when you had the greats. No, but I didn't know anybody else. But we're getting to know them. We just we just needed the chance. We needed to see them play. Thank you, Breakpoint. <laughs> Thank you, Breakpoint. Which is it brings me to another thing: the scheduling of the Australian Open on many levels, not just the fact that it's running till five a.m. in the morning, and that players can't have a toilet break. That's average. Yeah, 
That's it. That things need to be looked at. Umpires can't go to the toilet. What about the ball kids? I suppose they're coming on and off, but still. The umpires don't get a toilet break. You are not drinking water for five oh, hours. You are supremely dehydrated. It's not good for anyone. <laughs> Um, the other thing that's been interesting is that the women's, I don't think the women's draw is being profiled as much on in prime time and on centre court as mm. the men's draw. Because totally agree. I hadn't realised but I hadn't really been watching much of the women's games because they're not on at the times when I can watch them mm. because the kids are monopolising the TV at lunchtime to watch a movie, which is great because that's quiet time. Sing too, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Georgie. <laughs> deep on the soundtrack there. But it means that at night when I get to sit down and watch the tennis, there's typically the male matches. A yep. couple of commentators have pointed out that, you know, if we're going to profile women's sport, you've got to put it on times when people can watch it. Totally agree. Come on, Australian Open. Do better. My name is Sarah Walsh. I'm head of Women's Football, World Cup, Legacy and Inclusion. And what I love about sport is all the friendships that I've made and new people, new people I get to meet. Lib, quick roundup. Yes. The Australian women's cricket team has taken out a three-match one-day international series against Pakistan. Cricket's still happening. Yes, it goes on and on. Cool. So much cricket. But they won? They won. Meg Lanning is back. In the team, Amazing. excited to be there, performing really well, and they are now leading into um, some cricket matches happening this week as well. One of them is falling on January twenty sixth, so that's a little bit controversial. Yeah, in terms of respect for the indigenous players associated with cricket. Yeah, that's yeah, always going to be a controversy. There continues to be no collective bargaining agreement in place for rugby league players in the country. Wow. So for the NRL, that's not su- that's not as big a deal because they can still contract with clubs um, and there's probably a better minimum standard in place already. But for the women, that means that no players have any contracts at the moment. They're all susceptible to not being able to play because of injury and not then being covered. Wow. The Players Association continues to advocate for a collective bargaining agreement to be put in place, but negotiations are just not going well. It seems crazy that a professional sport like the NRL and Rugby League just haven't got that in place yet. And they're not asking for a lot, but I love that out on social media and in the the media, you're seeing the men's side of the game advocating so much for the women's game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's brilliant. I don't want to talk about this, but we need to talk about this and we that's do need to the issue of this. Peter Boll and the positive drug test. Yeah, this was a huge shock, wasn't it? Yes, and when I first read the story, I did think maybe it's a contamination that's come from a supplement, but I have then learnt that it's very unlikely that you get EPO in your system from ingesting or you can't. Yeah. It's an injectable drug yeah, the, it, you can produce EPO naturally. It comes through the kidneys. Apparently I didn't know that until I read about it. Uh, but there is a synthetic version that is only done through injection. So, yeah, that becomes hard. But so he's tested positive on his A sample. He has requested for his B sample to be tested. So that's not an automatic thing. You have to request it as an athlete. Correct. Yeah, you have to request it. I mean – the likelihood of it then coming back as negative is slim, but it has happened. That has happened in the past and that, you know, has led to obviously questions around contamination and, and other things like that. So 
I mean, I'm hopeful. He was such a an amazing story from the Tokyo Olympics. You know, he really just had the most amazing meet there. He's an 800 meter runner. Uh, I just, I hope, I hope something's gone awry somewhere. I hope he's the, another Shana Jack. Um, it's not something that you want any athlete to kind of go through, but yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult situation. We'll check back in on that in the, over the next couple of weeks. G'day, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm from Ashmore. I'm 29 and I like sports because I'm competitive and I love to win. Uh, really, really, really quickly. You know how we are such big advocates for people trying sport as they get older and yes. like getting involved and trying new things. I want to temper that with just a little caveat. If you're heading into your 40s or you're in your 40s and you decided to start a new thing or try a new thing for the first time, really just don't go hard. And if you're going to go hard, then maybe stretch afterwards. Have a massage booked in. And this is off the back of my husband last week trying futsal. Which I just thought that futsal must be this magical new game. I did not know what futsal was. I've only recently learned that it's just indoor soccer. It's just indoor soccer. Why does it have a different name? I don't know, but it is. It's just indoor soccer. And my husband has recently turned 40. Sorry, it's not indoor soccer. What? It's futsal is the difference. Oh, my goodness. Okay, mate. Indoor soccer is played on like AstroTurf in indoor cricket, you know, indoor cricket yeah. Courts, usually indoor soccer is played on those and it has nets the whole way around so yeah. the ball doesn't go out. Yes. You also can't kick the ball above shoulder height and it's like a big giant tennis ball that you're playing with. Hang on. Futsal okay. is yeah. played on a basketball court. No. Yes. There's outlines. Yes. And the oh, it's ball, a completely different the game. The ball is like a, a dense ball that doesn't bounce at all. I love that you fact-checked us mid I played for flight. Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. You heard it here first. Just to be clear, we wanted to make this a really short segment and you've just hijacked it. Look, you've got got to be fact-checked. You can't just run amok with all this information and get it wrong. All the futsal players out there will be Thank goodness this has been clarified, though. I would have gone on for another two years just thinking futsal was soccer indoors. We are wrong. They have a marketing problem. (laughs) So you're a futsal champion or an indoor soccer champion? Oh, we didn't win. Anyway, can I get back to paying out yeah, my go, husband? Go, 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 go. <laughs> anyway, so Luke played futsal for the first time. He is not going to be selected for Queensland anytime soon. He can barely walk. <laughs> He's walking around like a 72-year-old woman at the moment. He can barely uh, bend over. He is hobbling. He is a hobbling mess. So just a little warning. If you are trying something, we really want you to try something new. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. for it. I love that he wanted to try something new. That's awesome. But just have some preparations in place where you, you're stretching. Warm up, jog. Warm, warm down. up and warm down are vital at this stage in our lives. I remember my physio when I tore my calf around the age of 35 playing indoor netball, ironically. She looked at me. Is that netzel? No, it's just called netball. It's just called indoor netball. She looked at me and she said, Georgie, you're not 20 anymore. Did you stretch before the game? I was like, no. (laughs) Did you warm up? No. Warm down? No. She's like, you can't do that anymore. This is a classic injury for your age group. (laughs) Well, you're like, that's Oh, I'm in an age group now. (laughs) Like, that's so hurtful. (laughs) I still feel 20. 
All right, so just a little warning. Stretch. Stretch, warm up, all those important things. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes. And if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats, please share it with them and let them know about us. And we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews. It totally lights us up. If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at the Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.